If you seriously need to save on groceries and more for less is what you crave, Food City understands the struggle is real. That's why their high-quality store brands are such a great deal. Nobody does quality and savings like Food City. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's the Eric Kane Show. We're brought to you by Food City, and I know you're near one. If you're listening to us right now, there's a great opportunity, unless you're streaming us or listening live at 991thesportsanimal.com. Get to your local Food City. Gentlemen, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Make sure you ask her to be your Valentine. Get her something special. Card, chocolate dip, strawberries, roses. Get her something special. Say I love you with a little something special from your local food city. Brian, what are we what are we doing over the next two hours? Uh, we will continue to update you on the court day for Tennessee and the NCAA as the antitrust case uh, has its first hearing today. Tennessee uh, is still in search of a running backs coach. What's the update on the search there? Ryan Callahan of GoVols 24-7 will join us coming up at 10.30. We'll take a look around the SEC in basketball tonight and tomorrow night. At 11 o'clock, we'll play Florida, Alabama, or Georgia. And then in the 11 o'clock hour, we have some preseason college football Uh-oh. win totals from Vegas. How do you rank the top 25 teams with those win totals? That coming up over the next two hours. Uh, right now, 865-656-9900 if you want to join us. Again, Tennessee, the state of Tennessee, is in court today in Greenville on the first hearing asking for an injunction in the case against the NCAA on whether the rules on NIL violate antitrust law. It's a very narrow question that is being asked and argued today. But if an injunction is issued, it could invalidate the current rules governing NIL in the NCAA. Many feel that would be appropriate. Many schools then feel that the Wild West will become wilder. Spoiler alert, it will. It already is and will be. I mean, that's. I think that's what I keep going back to. I, I wouldn't say I found myself stressed about this. Especially after what the judge said last time, uh, last week. Um, but I just keep reminding myself that you can't tell a school that the that businesses can't pay them. You either it's either a, you can either do nil or you can't. Yeah, we're past the you can't do it. Is it being used in a way that it was not intended to use? Yes. Yes. Was it always going to be used in a way it was not intended to be used? Also, we, yes. Also, yes. And you can't restrict that. Once you're so, so like you could before name, image, and liked it, but we're past that. We're years past that now. Yeah. Now it's okay. It exists. What can we do to still be in control of it? Because that's what that is. It's it's okay. We didn't want to have to do this. And we have to. The answer that their legal experts came up with was not a damn thing. Nothing. There's nothing you can do. So it's like, okay, now that this exists, there's actually not a lot we can do with it. And they've been trying and flexing. And everybody agrees that the current system is the Wild West. Nobody has come up with a legally viable way to make it anything other than that. Legally, you can. That's the word you got to keep coming back to. And you just said it, but it's it's legally. There's nothing we'll quote. Hold up in court. Here's the other thing about about today and the 
antitrust side of this anyway. And I don't know that this will be used in the argument today, but it certainly would if there was a trial. There is a long paper trail of the NCAA and the member schools pursuing an antitrust exemption in Congress that would allow them to establish rules. So if their argument is that their rules are not anti-competitive, they just ensure fairness, then when you get to a trial, and again, I, I don't think this is an argument they can make today, but it would certainly be an argument they would make at a trial on this. If your rules are not anti-competitive, then why have you pursued at the congressional level an antitrust exemption? They don't have an answer for that. Spoiler alert. So, you have uh, you have that. So, we'll, we'll continue to follow it. I don't know that we, you'll hear anything because as some media discovered, you can't take your phone or your computer, and I said that a couple weeks ago. But in federal courthouses, you can't take your phone in the front door or a computer or anything that can communicate with the outside world unless you're one of the attorneys involved in the case. And you have a exemption letter on file with the federal judge. So we will not hear anything about this until it is the hearing is over and the judge does not have to issue a ruling today. The judge can do one of two things. He can issue a ruling on the injunction from the bench where he will read a verbal ruling and then issue a written ruling later, or as many judges do, he will just issue a written decision in somewhere between two days and two weeks. Both are appropriate. It is up to the judge's discretion which he wants to do. And so we may find out something today, or we may not. We're on the lookout. We are. We are. Uh, 865-6569. I know Kwame asks, is the same judge that made the statement last week hearing the case today? Yes, it is currently in his courtroom. Um, if there is a trial, it will likely still be in front of him, but it is possible that it moves to a more senior judge. But the judge that made the statement last week is indeed the one who is hearing uh, the arguments today. And those arguments can be short or they could be long. It's all about how much the judge wants to hear. So this hearing will last somewhere between a few minutes and a few hours. We're, it started at 9. I can tell you, a lot of people have been to court and it takes some time and it doesn't always start on time. Federal court starts on time. I have never, and I, I did a fair amount of federal work when I was doing criminal defense uh, investigations. I can count the number of times that the hearing or the trial or the anything didn't start on time on one hand. You know, in state courts, you walk in and everybody kind of says hi and all that. In federal court, the hearing's at 9. It's like our, our little light in here. It comes on at 9. What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real because just business is better business. 
Visit JustCapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. They're yeah, safe. I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. Most of the time. Uh, but. 9.13. For you, yeah. But. Uh, oh, hardly ever. We will uh, We will find out what happened when it is over and everybody is able to rush outside. Uh, 865-656-9900 if you want to join us. All right, when we come back, a running backs coach update and could Tennessee potentially be losing another assistant coach we'll dive into those topics next on the Eric Ainge show all right call or text 865-656-9900 to join us here on the Eric Ainge show Brian Rice you're teasing right now I'm just uh gonna go ahead and tease something else too uh Florida Alabama or Georgia coming up at 11 is gonna be epic let's go All right, Tennessee's uh, running backs coach search continues. No significant update there. Uh, I still think... Now, Tennessee is is not going to promote an analyst. I've been told that by several people. They are going to hire someone who is coaching. I still think the name I mentioned yesterday is the most likely. But... They are going to go uh, and find somebody who has coached running backs at the Division One level. They're not going to just promote an analyst that is currently on the staff. We're still weeks away from spring practice. We are. So there's not like a time crunch. Like if Josh Heupel, like, okay, he woke up this morning. His first thought was not, if I don't hire a running backs coach today, Oh, no, dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. But you also don't have too crazy long because they need to be here and start learning before they start practice. Well, you also have a recruiting aspect of it, of running back recruits want to know who their coach is going to, would be, and you don't want to be down a recruiter on the road. Now, you can designate somebody on your staff to be your recruiter along the way. Um, but in replacing Jerry Mack, I still think Matt Merritt is the leading candidate. He is the running backs coach again in Miami, just took that job, was at USF last year with Alex Golish, was an analyst at Tennessee uh, prior to that, was at Georgia Southern for a year in between. I think there are other candidates that they will have interest in. But they are they are looking for somebody who has done this at this level, which is different than than how Josh Heupel has handled some of his other uh, coach openings. He has promoted guys who have been on his staff. He promoted when offense coordinator was there. He promoted Receiver, quarterbacks coach, receivers coach. coach. Yep, it, it's been all over the field. So. And I, I think if there had been a, an opening on the defensive line, if Rodney Garner had gone back to Auburn, he would have promoted an analyst in that spot. Not going to do that here. 
I would still be surprised if he goes outside of the family, at least from a perspective of has worked in this system. But it's possible because, as you said yesterday, running backs are an easy position to coach from a scheme standpoint, and you can get a strong recruiter in there. So I still think Matt Merritt's the leader in the clubhouse, but they are going to look around. The other complication there is that uh, I believe Volquest reported at first last night, but I've, I've heard this as well. Michigan is taking a swing at Brian John Marie, the linebackers coach at Tennessee. I think he's been pursued. I know he's been pursued by a couple other schools um, in the last year or so based on how Tennessee's linebackers have, have developed. Uh, but Michigan taking a swing there. We'll see if there's anything that comes of that. But you could possibly have another opening on the staff. Does that affect how you search for a running backs coach? Probably not, but from a budgetary standpoint, I think you're probably prepared to to make a bigger swing at somebody who may, for whom money may be a factor if you're not having to replace two guys if you're only having to replace one. Because at this point of the year, you kind of have it in your mind at the Danny White level what your salary number for all of your football coaches is going to look like. And now if you need to find some extra to either retain or to search out a candidate or two, there's some adjustments that you have to make at a time that you weren't expecting to make them. This coaching carousel is usually done by the first week of February, and now a whole other round of it is is just starting because the number of coaches in different schools that are willing to move to the next level. Well, not just move to the next level, but everything's kind of we're in flux and everything's changing right now with the 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 later the season goes and and all that as well. I mean, mm-hmm. even next year, the season's going to go even longer next year. There's going to be coaches that are like you said, Brian, looking at the NFL after they take their team to a 12 team playoff or they're an offensive coordinator and they want to go be an OC in the NFL. Everything's just getting pushed back. Even more, and that's, I mean, people are always, hey, listen, we've said it before, it hadn't hurt Kirby Smart, it hadn't hurt, it never hurt Nick Saban. If you're winning, and you have a good brand as a head coach in a football program, then you want your coaches heavily sought after. That means you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. If no one wants anybody you have, then, then, then something's wrong. So, this is a good problem for Josh Heupel to have. Alex Golish getting a head coaching job. Uh, the national champion wanting to poach your linebackers coach. Your running backs coach wanting to go to the NFL. You know what? That means he's valued if he's going to the NFL. So I don't think it's a bad thing. How you handle it, though, is obviously going to be crucial for Tennessee. And I do think there's a little bit of a difference there. If you're only replacing one coach versus two coaches, at least they're on different sides of the ball. Um, and again... Wide receiver, O line, quarterback, OC, they're you're they're all coming back. Tight ends mm-hmm. brand new last year. So okay, you get a new running backs coach. D line and DB's the same. Okay, well, we got, you know, maybe maybe potentially a new linebackers coach. D coordinator's still the same. As long as your head coach and coordinators are the same, and if you change a coordinator, as long as most of the other guys are there, then there is no wholesale change. Everything will just go on. You got veteran players uh, on that linebacker spot. If that does happen, having Keenan Peely's there, it's not like someone's going to have to come in and you know bring someone from outside in and coach a bunch of freshmen learning the system on the fly. 
we won't struggle, I don't think, with replacing position coaches as long as Josh Heupel's here and they're doing a good job with the analysts and you know their coaching tree and following them out there and re- retaining and keeping good relationships with them. I, I don't think hiring people to, to come to the University of Tennessee to coach for Josh Heupel, I don't foresee that ever being a problem. No, but I think at this time of the year, it's it's more complicated it's than it is a month ago. Well, even the running backs coach from Miami that you're talking about, he just took the job there. Right. And that's, people are not going to judge you for doing it, but also you just took the job there. It's that weird. Comes with, it comes with it's a whole weird. different set of circumstances. Yeah, it's weird. That's the emotional part of that, too. Uh, this from someone that was in the room. The hearing in Greenville has concluded. The judge indicates that he will make a ruling uh, soon. It will not be an immediate ruling. You did not make it from the bench. So he will issue a written ruling uh, likely in two to three days. There you go. It could come as soon as this afternoon. But the indication people in the courtroom got was that it would be um, a standard couple of days to issue a full written ruling. Trustgate 2024. So I uh, don't have any information on what the arguments were, what the substance of the hearing was, just that it is concluded and the judge is not going to make. It take very long. Uh, a little over an hour. Is that long? Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. I thought many were expecting this hearing to be about 35 minutes. Oh, no, Brian. That means we lost. It does not. Oh, it doesn't mean it was mean only it supposed to be 35 minutes and now it's an hour. Doesn't we'll see. really mean anything. It just was long. I just beat someone to the text box with that joke. That's all I did. Yeah. No we'll big right. deal. Yeah. Uh, eight, six, five, six, five, six, nine, nine hundred. Uh, Mark says, uh, Jay Graham's on staff at ETSU might be worth a call. Jay Graham has said that power five level football is not a good work-life balance for him. Now, would he be willing to change that at some point? Potentially down the line. Right now, taking the the special, I believe he's the special teams coordinator at ETSU, is, is the pace that he was looking for. And that's... Coach some ball, make some money, not work 365 days a year. I think he would be an excellent candidate if he was interested, but I don't believe that he is. Josh, I will probably make the call. Or somebody from UT will make the call. But Jay Graham is very well known to a lot of people at the University of Tennessee, not just because he's a VFL, but because he was a really good position coach in the SEC. He has been very public about quality of life being very important to him, and that's why I think ETSU is the highest level of football he will coach at this time. I could be wrong. He could change his mind, but that's the the feeling I've gotten. I know Vince has worked with him more than I have, but I've had the opportunity to work with him some on some projects for the UT alumni office and some other things. So I, I think that is a call that's probably not made in a – heavily pursuing you but you call and say are you interested you know i think the interesting thing about college or pro football every head coach sets the standard for what the quality of life is like it's not like 
you're an on-call surgeon and no matter what hospital you work at, you work these hours, you're on-call these hours yeah. and you're like, like if you have a head coach that believes in work-life balance, that thinks family is important, that wants to be around his own family, then you're going to get the benefit of that. If you work for Bill Belichick or Saban early, not Saban late necessarily, but Saban early or a guy like that, then you're there at five in the morning and you're there until about midnight and you sleep on a cot or you go home. Your family's always asleep. You miss all the games. You miss all the school stuff. You miss all that. That's hard. I don't think from what I've gathered being around him, Josh Heupel's kind of in the middle. Mm -hmm. Josh Heupel believes, you know, he has a family and a wife and children and he wants to be around them. And the coaches do that. And they always are bringing them over to practice and they're always around and, so I don't know that coaching for Josh Heupel is necessarily like coaching for Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. I, so I, I don't know how that but conversation I, would go. But I think even work coaches, the value of work-life balance are, it's still a 24-7, almost no, it's still, Yeah, I mean, ETSU to the University of Tennessee, just from a recruiting standpoint. And it, it, as John Wilkerson points out on the secret text line, Jay's son just signed with ETSU as well. So he not only has the opportunity to, be at a level that he's comfortable with. He gets to do it with his son as well. Um, Bram asks, uh, is Monterey Hardesty not a running backs coach in the SEC as well? He was at South Carolina this past year. Um, he was not retained on the staff headed into this coming season. Um, he's looking for a spot, and you may make the call. You may not. I'm not sure. Uh, I think a lot of people around South Carolina didn't feel like it was his fault that the running backs didn't perform as well as they uh, could have. They had a former quarterback playing running back. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure Monterio could coach the guys we have right now pretty well. Yeah. And I can speak from personal experience. He understands pass protection. He used to protect me all the time. Uh, so we'll say uh, that's certainly a possibility. Uh, Jason says, what worries me is players following position coaches leaving. Uh, possible, but. Remember, the transfer portal doesn't open again until after spring practice, so any hurt feelings in the short term, there will be a long-term opportunity to keep guys through spring practice because they're obligated to be here through the end of the spring anyway. I agree with that in general. Sure. I think that, like, speaking in generality, like, I believe that if a position coach leaves and a player loves him and, and they haven't transferred or they're young – or maybe they only have a year left to play, and there's a, it's still circumstantial though. Like a uh, guy's not going to follow. Like let's say, well, first off, you can't follow Mac to the Jaguars, mm-hmm. so that one doesn't hurt you. But if you had if if Brian Jean Mary went to Michigan, let's just say he does. They pay him a bunch of money and he takes off. Keenan Peely's not following him. He can't. Correct. Um, and then you have a lot of competition, so you might get a freshman that just signed to go. But if you have a chance to be a starter here, and then you have to also look at Michigan's roster. Like they're, I think it is common. It can happen. I don't think on our particular team right now that you would have that problem. But it also helps, and it also helps that it's this time of year, and you can't go to the portal until after spring practice anyway. So you will have an opportunity to build a relationship, fix a relationship, whatever the issue yeah. is there. Uh, 865-656-9900. We'll have more of your thoughts uh, from the text box, more updates from Greenville, uh, more on uh, coaching searches. But Ryan Callahan of GoVols 24-7 joins us next on the Eric Haines Show. 
Stacking Benjamins with Joe and his good friend OG not only has great financial insight, it's laid back with humor too. The quiet luxury trend is out and loud budgeting is in. Are we tired of the pet names? Yeah, because I'm loud and obnoxious, so this fits right in with me. I'm like, yes, finally budgeting for me. (laughs) I get to walk into a restaurant and go, I'm cheap as hell, and you're not getting a tip. Live from Doug's Budget. (laughs) Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. A frustrating night in Lubbock for the Kansas Jayhawks. Head coach Bill Self was ejected for the first time in his 21 seasons at the helm in a game that saw sixth-ranked Kansas get boat raced by Texas Tech 79-50. to They're just 3-3 three and three in their last six games. And top 10 teams are now 32-34 and 34 this season when playing at unranked opponents. Elsewhere in the top 25, number 9 Duke outlasts Wake Forest 77-69. The latest AP poll is out, and it sees the Vols fall from 6th down to 8th following their loss at Texas A&M. The top two of UConn and Purdue remains untouched, while Houston, Houston slides back up to 3. South Carolina now the second-highest-ranked SEC team, coming in at 11, while Kentucky somehow manages to hold on to a ranking at 22. Number 23, Indiana State, ranked for the first time since 1979. More EA Show with Brian Rice. It's on the way next. Enjoy your Tuesday. I'm Charlie Collier. Hey, this is Ainge live right here with Chafee Air and Plumbing. And here's the deal. When you're dealing with a plumbing company and an HVAC company, someone that can do everything like that, like Chafee Air and Plumbing can, you you know you're dealing with knowledgeable, prompt, professional, um, the way that they do business, you know, talking with the owner and, and getting to meet the team at Chafee Air and Plumbing. They believe in repeat business, right? That's one of the things that they do. They offer their VIP membership. They're coming in the spring. They're coming in the fall for maintenance. You may have an issue. They want to do right by you. So you go back to them and you tell your friends about them and you use them for maybe you need a new unit. Maybe you just need the service done. And that VIP membership, guys, 10% off all repairs and service calls, both plumbing and HVAC, fall and spring maintenance, a water heater flush, whole home plumbing inspection every year, only $13.25 a month. They're also home of the comfort guarantee. Like I said, knowledgeable, prompt, professional. They want your business now and forever. Find out more on their website at coolingheatingplumbing.com. 865-656-9900 if you want to join us on the Eric Kane Show. But right now we go to the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline. Welcome in Ryan Callahan of Go Vols 24-7. Ryan, happy uh, NCAA hearing day. How are you? <laughs> yeah, doing well. How are you guys? Hey, we're doing great. Uh, let's start with the coaching news uh, for Tennessee Jerry Mack is headed to the NFL. Where was Jerry Mack on on Tennessee's recruiting board, and how does this potentially, not knowing who his replacement is, affect Tennessee's recruiting activities at the running back position and beyond? Yeah, in the meantime, it's it's certainly uh, it, it, it's it's never ideal to have have turnover, of course. Um, and and Jerry Mack, I think, did a solid job at Tennessee. He was. Uh, He's obviously had ties in the Memphis area that have that have helped Tennessee. He did a pretty solid job in the in the Memphis area uh, with his background there. Recruited some parts of the state of North Carolina as well, so that was uh, that's an important area where they'll uh, they'll have to to sort of move some people around or or potentially hire a replacement who can help uh, pick up the slack there as well. And then obviously the the most immediate thing probably you've got a class of 2025 running back commitment, Justin Baker in the Atlanta area. Uh, you know where does this leave? things with him and, and and how much will the new hire um dictate his you know maybe willingness or desire to 
to, to stick with Tennessee. I think there are enough relationships there with the rest of the staff that Tennessee could certainly uh, withstand that. But uh, obviously, we'll just have to kind of wait and see uh, what, what happens with uh, with Jerry Mack's replacement. But uh, you know, I, I think Tennessee will will uh, will be in a pretty good position to be able to replace him and 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 probably make an outside hire. It looks like based on everything we've heard so far, uh, and that would that would I think give them a chance to to replace him and not. Uh, not lose too much, and, and, and potentially even upgrade depending on who they can get there. So we'll, we'll see where it goes from here. But, it's, you know, it, 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 obviously we've seen some turnover before under Josh Heupel, and they've been able to, to kind of keep the train on the tracks. So I, I would expect kind of a similar uh, transition here from, from Tennessee. They, they, they've not really relied on any one or two star recruiters under Josh Heupel, and I think that kind of makes it a little bit easier to, to keep things from being derailed too much by one guy leaving. You know, Ryan, I think that's one of the questions that's got brought up with this. And I've been vocal yesterday, especially and today, about how I think running back is the easiest coach to the easiest position to coach in my experience playing. Um, do you think they value the recruiting side of this more, or do you think they value the actual on field coaching more, or do you think it's more about fit? Like if you were Josh Heupel, what would Ryan Callahan do with this position uh, change? Yeah, I, I think it's an important position to to have a good recruiter. I, I do. I think uh, you know, like like you said, the the perception uh, is certainly that it's one of the easier positions to coach. Uh, that that a lot of different guys with different backgrounds can uh, can coach that position as long as you have some familiarity with uh, with running backs and and some level of experience there. So yeah, I, I think that is that is a position where you certainly need a recruiter. Uh, you know. Uh, it's a it's a, a fair discussion these days. You know what is the value of a recruiter now in the NIL era versus uh, in, in the past. I, I think it still matters, but um, it's it's probably not quite as important as it was uh, in the past. But still, I think there's there's definitely some value in having a a good recruiter there. And uh, you know, it, it you still have to do the legwork. You still have to build the relationships. And sometimes when when NIL is is not a factor, or when it's uh, or, or or when 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 players are weighing similar opportunities in regard to NIL, they still fall back on which coach do I feel most comfortable with and who's going to develop me the best. So I think it does, it does matter. And that's one of those positions where I, I think you'd much rather have a guy with uh, a, a known reputation of being a good, a good recruiter as opposed to someone where that's maybe a question mark, but is a better, a better on-field coach. I think that's the position where you need some recruiting ability for sure. Ryan Callahan of Go Balls 24-7 is our guest. All right. Oh, we're, is Tennessee's recruiting right now? What's the calendar look like right now, and uh, where are coaches, and what are they? Uh, what are they trying to get accomplished right now? Yeah, this is uh, this is one of those quieter times of the year. Uh, you know, right after National Signing Day, of course, even though the traditional National Signing Day in early February doesn't mean a whole lot, uh, but this is a time for coaches to kind of, uh, at least you know, for this past weekend, a lot of coaches around the country were uh, were away, got got to take some time off. Uh, and, and then they'll uh, you know, sort of regroup here in the month of February, you know, keep, keep looking at their board, do some internal evaluations, uh, looking ahead to the 2025 class. They obviously spent a lot of time on the road in the month of January, and, and it's sort of about um, you know, resetting, continuing to, to, to work to get guys on campus uh, during spring practice coming up and, and things like that. So you're, you're still doing work, but this is more about sort of setting up the next few months. Uh, making sure after you get to see some guys maybe play basketball or evaluate some players on film in a little more depth, uh, get, you know, gather some more information on them when you stopped at schools uh, to, to make sure you have things sort of where, where they need to be on your board and, and shuffle some things around to, to sort of set up what you want to do over the next, uh, next three or four months. So 
it, it's still an important time, but yeah, this is one of the times that, that things slow down a little bit for a little while because it is a dead period through early March. Uh, no coaches will be on the road till April, and then no visits can happen now until after the first weekend of March. So for the next few weeks, it's a little little quiet, um, but you'll still see some, some probably some new offers go out at some point this month. And uh, and, and obviously now Tennessee has uh, at least one coaching position to fill with uh, with Jerry Mack uh, headed to the NFL. That's obviously something that's going to be at the at the forefront for Josh Heupel for the next couple of weeks. How do you take what's happened at Alabama with Kayla DeBoer bringing his offense coordinator and offensive line coach with him from Washington, and then they bolt for the Seattle Seahawks, and it comes out that the Seahawks may have had one or both of them committed for some time, but they were waiting out the 30-day transfer portal deal at Alabama. Does does that register at all anywhere in Alabama's recruiting or Alabama's future recruiting? Yeah, it's it's certainly uh, it raises some questions. Obviously, for now, we'll see what they do to to replace those guys. It's uh, you know, and it's a better time to deal with turnover right now as opposed to if this had happened at some point last month. Uh, but yeah, that, that's there are a lot of questions about that staff, obviously, and uh, you know, I'm not sure those two guys in particular were going to be um, you know key cogs going forward for uh, for just sort of their reputation and how how recruits were going to view them, but. Uh, you need to replace them well, and they're you know they've had sort of a uh, maybe not tumultuous, but it's it's been kind of a bumpy start for for Alabama there with some some major players leaving the transfer portal, and now this uh, it's it's not ideal. So uh, you're, there are going to be some challenges along the way, of course, and they'll they'll probably be able to to attract some good candidates if they if, if they look outside for some uh, for some some potential uh, you know coordinators and things like that. But they've they've got to. They've got to steady the ship here because it is a key stretch. I think year one is really important for Kalen DeBoer. You know, year one is not Huge. always a deal breaker. Yeah, not always a deal breaker for a lot of staff. But I think for that one in particular, it's really important. If Alabama falls back to, to seven and five, eight and four, to oh. me, uh, that, that job gets a lot harder to, to build it back into what it's been about the last 15 years. Would that not warm everybody's heart? Though? I mean, I literally just got butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not saying that's going to happen. No, it it's were, not. It's definitely not going to yeah. happen. But the thought of it happening or the thought of them being well, just bad enough that it hurts them in recruiting and just bad enough that their fans are, I don't want them shooting each other like they used to, but, you know, in <laughs> infighting, you know, you don't love the tide enough. Like, don't go back there. But, but like, a good bar fight, you know, like punching each other because they don't love the tide enough. Let's get them back there. I'll say this, though. I, I was just talking with someone about that situation a couple of days ago. You look at their schedule. They played Georgia this year. That's not something they've always dealt with. Obviously, they come to Tennessee. They play LSU, and they go to Oklahoma right before the Auburn game in November. There, there easily could be four losses on that schedule if this team were to, to take a step back. So Ooh, Keep it you know, coming, to, Ryan. To, to be determined, obviously. We don't know what that offense is going to look like. You know, they, How well can they adjust to their personnel there with, uh, with, with Jalen Milrow and all that? But that, that's, that's a situation where if they do take a clear step back on the field, you could see them lose three or four games. Eric has the full-on wedding smile on right now, just, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, Ryan, uh, before we let you go and find out what's going on with GoVols 24-7, you have a story up at uh, GoVols 24-7 on uh, Chris Thompson, in-state linebacker, class of 2025. It, it seems like with all of these or most of these top prospects in the state of Tennessee, they're at least hearing from Tennessee and hearing from Tennessee a great deal. Is Josh Heupel that focused on closing the borders, or are these just players that they are really uh, interested in? 
Yeah, you, 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 I think you've, they've done a good job of recruiting the state of Tennessee. I think part of that is just making sure you have a, a good feel for the talent level uh, across the state because what, what's happened in recent years is this state's producing so much talent that, that you've got to be worried about one slipping through the cracks that you didn't have a good read on uh, earlier in the process. You know, what we saw a couple of years ago with Arion Carter, uh, that, that's a little bit of an unusual one because it's the guy who didn't play uh, the position that he ended up playing his senior year. Uh, as a junior, he was just a running back. And so by the time he got to play linebacker again as a senior, he, he blew up. But it's because people really hadn't seen him play on that side of the ball since his sophomore year, and, it, and he had gotten a lot better. So uh, it, there, there's, you know, there, situations like that are going to happen. But there, there's enough talent now in Tennessee, you know, dozens of Power 5 players coming out of this state every year that, um, you know, when a guy, you know, pops up on the radar, you you want to make sure you have a, a good feel for the situation. So uh, that, that, that leads to some offers. And sometimes those early offers are not, not going to mean that a player is going to be a top target. And, and sometimes they are, um, but they, they've done a good job being pretty aggressive and getting out some early offers. Again, some of those guys will not end up being major targets in the, in the coming months, but uh, they, they've already got their sights set on several players in the 2025 class. They really like And Chris Thompson's one of, I think a number of guys that are, that are sort of maybe in that next group where they're still evaluating them, still seeing what they what they think of them in the long run and whether they'll be a priority. Um, but they, I think it's a, it's a sign that their their in-state recruiting is in a healthy spot that they're able to get out there uh, and, and be in you know, have a foot in the door with a lot of guys in case they decide to make them priorities in the coming months. Ryan, what do you guys have coming up at Go Balls twenty four seven before we talk to you again next week? Yeah, lots of uh, obviously lots of coverage of this uh, this NCAA case uh, as, as we uh, get out of uh, today's hearing. Uh, Patrick Brown was there for us uh, this morning in, in Greenville, and we'll have full coverage of that on the site. Obviously, basketball, baseball getting ready to start this weekend, and uh, and already looking ahead to some uh, some recruiting visits for next month and just sort of where things are with the 2025 class for Tennessee. And we'll obviously have uh, updates as as we get them on on where Tennessee's headed uh, in a search for a new running backs coach. So. Lots going on right now and plenty to talk about, and we've got it all covered for you at GoVols247.com. Ryan, always appreciate the time each week. Uh, enjoy a bit of a quiet period, and uh, we'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, guys. That's Ryan Callahan, GoVols247, joining us on the Stanley Fencing and you Gate does, You know who doesn't love the tide at all? Ryan Callahan. Ryan Callahan. You know who got me a little excited for those those days when they were still fighting with each other? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you this right now. Actually, no, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to ask you. Okay. Charlie, Brian, what record starts the Alabama infighting? Because, like, we're not innocent either. Tennessee has done this for not now. Well, even with Joe last year, there was infighting. But do you think 10 and 2 gets them infighting? Probably. They were that two years ago. Yeah, but that was Saban. Nine and three really starts. Nine and three, I think they're fighting each other. Uh, We will come back. uh, Final segment to this hour of the EA shows next. Call or text 865-656-9900 to join us right here on the Eric Kane Show. Uh, A little quick uh, wrap up here in this 10 o'clock hour. Uh, Again, the uh, hearing has concluded up in Greenville, and the judge will issue a ruling uh, in the coming days, could be as early as today, will likely be two or three days. So we will uh, we'll know more there shortly. I got this. Like, okay, Tyler, uh, he all, he calls himself, he, well, I call him Roll Tide Tyler because he always texts us in. Mm-hmm. Uh, about what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think if you listen, and I'm t- I know Tyler does, if you listen to this show all the time, you know the amount of respect that I have for Nick Saban and what they were able, Alabama's been able to do, draft picks, championships. Uh, I don't have to like them. I can still respect how great they've been. Right. Uh, but I'm talking about the, you know, the, the, the infighting. Mm-hmm. You're right. He says, bunch of clown talk. Alabama's team still has more talent than Tennessee. Your dream smiles doesn't make it reality. You know, wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be a good thing. Alabama going into Tennessee and winning. You should question everything Josh does at that point. Based on your assumptions, they'll lose three or four games. Our coach has coached for a national championship. Won his conference, made the playoff. Tennessee has to worry about that before entertaining blah, blah, Alabama's blah. downfall. Joke. Roll Tide. Tyler, blah, blah, but here, blah. Here's the thing, though. Just that reaction, Tyler, mm-hmm. at the thought heavily that defensive. you might not be the dynasty in moving forward that you could. Now, listen, it's he- all there for Heavily defensive. I, very defensive. I already said, I think Alabama, you said, you know, 10 and 2. I'm going, I think they're at least 10 and 2. I, I still think, Al- I think Jalen Milrow, Kalen DeBoer being a quarterback guy, an offensive guy, I think Alabama is going to be Really, really good next year. Definitely in the 12-team playoff. We're just saying. Oh, man, I don't think they're going in the 12-team playoff you don't? with Kalen Boer. No, I don't. Ooh, see, I think they're, if, I think it could, I think they will be next year. Uh, but here's the thing. The thought of not being has Tyler defensive, and I think that's normal. All right, right? I'm going to declare it on the record here, February 13th. Ooh. Alabama will not be in the 12-team playoff next year. Okay, but if they're ten and two, like you they're said, they would be. be. Ten and, but I didn't say they're going ten and two. I said ten and two is what will start infighting. the infighting. Ooh, they're not going ten and two. They're going nine and three. Wow, Charlie, are we placing a chumming with Charlie futures on this? I, I, whatever they're under is, I'm taking it. Yeah, I Ooh. think they're going to be much worse than 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 maybe you're thinking right now. There's, Conveniently, I, we're I'm going thinking to talk. ten and two at large team. I think they're like an eight and four football team. Oh my gosh. Conveniently, we're going to talk about uh, the over-unders for these teams coming up in uh, the the 11 o'clock hour after Florida, Alabama, or Georgia. What do you think Alabama's is? Nine and a half. Nine and a half. I'd say it's eight and a half or nine and a half. It's nine and a half. Yeah, I think that's right. But I would take the over at 10. There's no Mm. way they're going 11 and 1, 12 and 0. I I don't think there's any way they go eight and four. Eight and four for that roster... Would be, uh, but they've lost. Oh. They've lost some guys from that roster. They did. They still have. They still have a lot of really a good whole players. bunch of four and five stars. They'll have a better roster than everybody they play, but Georgia still. But, so that's one team that might you could argue has better a better overall roster. So to go eight and four and eleven, you know, to go eight and three, but to go ten and two, you got to win at Wisconsin. Easy. At Tennessee, yeah. at LSU, at Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, that, home games against Auburn and Georgia. No, it's just say not cakewalk. Final hour straight ahead. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. If you sacrifice your dream for the sake of satisfying someone else, that can often lead to ongoing resentment, which then poisons a relationship subtly, slowly, but it does. And if he doesn't want to let you down, then your dreams matter. Afford Anything, wherever you listen.